I'm going to ask you just to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 31, and as you do so, it's the verse of the year, so happy new year to everybody. I hope it's a real blessed year to come for the church here and for everybody in the church in this year to come. But we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 31, and it's been set a wee bit in its context by, by Jonathan, who as he spoke to the children. Thanks for that, Jonathan. I don't really have anything else to say. I'm only kidding. So Deuteronomy 31 from verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Then the verse of the year, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Let's just come to God now in prayer. Father, we thank you that in that verse there is a great reminder to each one of us of just where our confidence is to be placed in this year to come. We can't place it in our own abilities because we know they're limited. We can't base it on the love and faithfulness of others, for great though that love might be, yet that can be taken from us. Lord, we just base our lives and all that we are on the assurance of your love and of your presence in our lives. We come to you now in this faith, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we head together into this new year, I think it is good to remember that as we journey through this year, that inevitably some challenges are going to be thrown our way. We're going to face challenges through this year. Some of these challenges will be surprising. Others will be unsurprising in the sense that we can anticipate these challenges. We know what's coming our way. But you know, that awareness doesn't make these challenges any less daunting or any less scary. In fact, to the contrary, the anticipation, the awareness of what's to come can cause these challenges to hang above us like a, a black shadow, like the proverbial sword of Damocles hanging over our head. Well, before I go on to suggest at least a little bit how biblically we can handle the challenges that 2020 will bring our way, let me first share with you the story of a surprising challenge faced by someone before I, I go on to talk about some of the, the unsurprising challenges that most of us know are on the way. Here is the surprising challenge. A burglar broke into a house one new year, thinking that this house was empty, that everyone was away visiting family and friends. But as stealthily he moved around in the, in the darkness downstairs, Suddenly, he heard a voice that seemed to, to come from a corner of the living room. Jesus is watching you. 
He nearly dropped down dead there and then. But as he gathered himself together and hurriedly began putting whatever valuables he could find close to hand into his swag bag, yet again, this voice sounded out, this time just a little louder. Jesus is watching you. Now trembling all over, he tentatively approached the corner where the voice seemed to be coming from. And he found in the corner a covered birdcage. And as he just pulled the, co the cover gingerly off, a parrot looked him straight in the eye and said once more, Jesus is watching you. Stuck somewhere between anger, relief, and outright amusement, the thief then asked the question you'd have to ask any self-respecting parrot. What's your name, pretty boy? Back comes the answer. Moses. Now you see him, you see, feeling much more self-confident, thinking he's got away with it. This man then sneers. What kind of fool would call his parrot Moses? From the darkness of the upstairs landing, a deep voice booms out. The same kind of fool who calls his Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> so you see, along the way, life does sometimes bring surprising challenges out of the blue. But you see, we've got some pretty unsurprising challenges, I think, coming our way in 2020. We do know that they're coming, but there are still challenges. For the church here, it's the challenge of moving into a time of vacancy as far as that the lead pastor's role is concerned anyway. You will still have Jonathan and Robbie, and I know that brings you great comfort. But vacancies, haven't they? Yes, some of you got it. But vacancies, I know, haven't always been easy in Hamilton. So I know that, that for some of you, some of you who've been through these experiences, this is something that maybe caused you a degree of fear and, and trepidation. You maybe sense that things are, are a bit different now than previously. A number of you have shared that with me. And yet still there's, there's that remaining lingering fear of what could go wrong during a time of vacancy. Also, for Elaine and myself, there's the, the big challenge for us of retirement and all that goes along with that. And I have to admit that at the moment, I am kind of looking forward to it. The thought of no more deadlines to meet, no more meetings to attend, I have to say right now, is quite appealing. But you know, I know that once the novelty of that wears off, that there will be a huge adjustment to be made. For almost 37 years, the church has been at the heart of my life. And I love the church. I love this church. If you're truly called to ministry, I believe serving the church isn't something that you do. It isn't a kind of add-on to life. Rather, it actually is who you are. It's at the heart of your life. And so I know that at some point, the realization will hit me that I am no longer in full-time ministry. And that will be a challenge in itself. Never mind the challenge of deciding where to live, finding a church to worship in, etc. And of course, in one sense, I will never fully retire in that I will always preach when given the opportunity. I will always care for God's people. 
but not being a pastor, not having that role within the church, I know will be a challenge. But I want to say to you, whatever challenges any of us face in this coming year, yet I doubt where any of them will come anywhere near the challenge laid here at Joshua's feet by the famous Moses. For here, Joshua is appointed by Moses to follow in his footsteps as the leader of the people of Israel, of the people of God. Well, you know, talk about trying to fill big shoes. Big shoes. This is a man who was one of the greatest leaders, is one of the greatest leaders in all of human history, regardless of era or race, religion, or anything else. A man through whom God did totally incredible things. I mean, being instrumental in freeing your people from slavery is a pretty good place to begin. But that was just a beginning. However, it wasn't just the size of the shoes he was filling, but also it was the task that was being laid before him that must have seemed like an incredibly daunting challenge to Joshua. For here he was being called to lead a people who had been kept out of the promised land, who'd been made to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of their willful disobedience, their willful sin. Why, even the great Moses had found it almost impossible to lead this people. Even he had been almost broken by them. But here, Joshua is being called to follow Moses. Here he is being called to complete the task not even Moses could finish. So listen, listen again. It doesn't matter what challenges we will face this year. Whether it's something that that I've mentioned or something very different and perhaps personal to you. It doesn't matter if this is something you know that's coming or if it's something that's just going to come at you along the way. It doesn't matter what challenges we will face. Still, it's very unlikely that any of them will come anywhere near to the scale of the challenge faced by Joshua here. So what do we do then when we are faced by big challenges? Scary challenge. What do we imagine Joshua did when he was confronted by this challenge? Well, I believe the best place to begin is to review. That is to remember what you've learned of God, what you know of God, what in your life you've experienced of Him. Well, here there are many things that Joshua might well have have called to mind, like the glory of God, something that's central to who God is. He is a God of glory. An incomparable, unmatchable, glorious God. A God whose nature demands that once we have come to know Him, that we live for His glory. Because nothing matters more to a people whose hearts are right with God than living for Him. And making sure that by the way that we live, that we point to this glory. We point to our God and make Him known. 
Then there is the power of God. Something that, that certainly Joshua had known and had experienced in his life. For this was a man, remember, who had seen the plagues God brought on Egypt to force Pharaoh to set his people free. This was a man who'd walked behind Moses as in answer to his request, the Lord parted the Red Sea before his people. And this was also a man who throughout Israel's wandering in the desert, their calamities and disasters, a man who had stood by Moses' side and had again and again seen God by his power deliver his people, rescue his people as they turned to him again in repentance. But all of this, I believe, and much more is is brought together here by God and handed to Joshua in the form of a promise. A promise here in this verse, Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Yes, here, in this promise, the promise of His presence. The promise that He, the God of glory and of power, the holy God, the great God of love, that this God, the God who had walked with Moses, that He would walk with Joshua, with His people, into their future. Therefore, they need not be afraid. They should not be discouraged. Because no matter what challenges came their way, as they sought God, as they sought to continue in faithfulness and in obedience to walk with God, so then God tells them He would walk with them. And what did God's people have to fear? Why should God's people be discouraged when the God of glory and power walks with them? when he is present in their life. You know, someone who had this truth underlined to him in a quite remarkable way was our own David Livingston, born, brought up in this this very area. One night in his travels through Africa, he set up camp, and then he, he received news from local sympathizers that a band of fierce warriors had been tracking his party, and that they planned that night to attack him and to kill him and everyone else who traveled with them. Now, Livingston at sunset wrote this in his journal. This is what he wrote. It is evening. I feel much turmoil and fear at the prospect of having all my plans knocked on their head by by savages who are just now outside the camp. Now, writing experts have concluded on the evidence of of Livingston's handwriting here that the way that he, he wrote these words show that his hands were trembling and shaking at the time. But then as he went on to the next words, his writing gradually became steadier. And this is what he wrote next. But Jesus said, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Well, it actually turned out 
that they weren't attacked that night. And then later on, these warriors who'd planned to attack him, they became Christians. So Livingston quizzed their chief about this. And he replied, yes, we were ready to attack that night. And we planned to kill you all until we saw 47 warriors with swords in their hands guarding your camp. Well, at this time, this left Livingston baffled because he didn't know of any guards, any warriors who'd been placed there by anybody. But later, back here in Scotland, he, he told this story to a meeting of his supporters. And at the end of this meeting, when they were all just milling around, a man came up to Livingston and he asked him, when did that event you, you spoke of there, when did that happen? And Livingston replied, January the 14th, 1856. Now the man then took his diary, looked through it, and showing it to Livingston, confirmed that on that precise night, a group of men had gathered together in his church to pray for David Livingston's protection. And then he'd further written down in the margins that on that particular night, there were 47 men attending. Now that is an extraordinary, miraculous occurrence. In extreme circumstances, it is in direct response to the specific prayer of godly, faithful people. I want to say this isn't always the way things work out. Sometimes God chooses to reveal His power and glory in the suffering and even in the martyrdom of His people. And sometimes we aren't faithful enough, obedient enough, prayerful enough to move God to respond to us in prayer. But you know, that does not change the fact that God is present with us in His power and glory. Just as he was with Moses, with Joshua, with the people of God, and with David Livingston, he is with us as we move forward. That is God's promise to us. And you see, as we here in Hamilton take the time to, to review our situation, what, what we've learned and known and experienced of God, what will surely we too can see the kind of signs that reassure us that God is with us, manifesting among us His power and His glory and so much else. We, we see that in new people He's bringing to this church. We see that in baptismal services, in youth services, in our young people who are such a wonderful encouragement to us all. We see it in the unity, in the, the love that exists in this church, that even though there is a, a good number of us, that there's still a real family feel here. And that when people come to this church, they aren't kept on the outside, on the fringes, but they're actually invited in and made part of the family. And you know, one of my greatest encouragements uh, of last year, in, in a strange way, was on one particular Sunday, to look out on a Sunday morning after we'd suffered a number of significant bereavements, one after another, at a time when a number of people were very seriously ill, 
to look out and just to sense that people were grieving and hurting for one another. And I was overwhelmed by, by just an awareness that we truly are a family of God. Now, I'm not saying here that this church has got it all together, by the way, because we certainly have not. I'm not saying that we don't have a considerable way to go before we can be, in any sense, the people God wants us to be. Because we, we do have, an, and we always will have, in one sense, a way to go. We'll never get there. But surely, despite that, God is doing enough among us to give us a confidence that He is with us. And if He is with His people, then they need not be discouraged. They should not be afraid. If we are walking with God and He is blessing us now, if we are determined to keep walking close to Him, then what is there to fear in the future? Now, I know pastors have a part to play in the church, and we do love one another on a human level. We'll miss one another. But let's never forget, what really matters is God is with us, and He will be with us as we move into our future. Now, briefly, just one other thing I think it's important to do when we're faced with big challenges in life, and that is as well as to review, it's also good to focus to focus on the big thing, or maybe things that it's important to remember at a time like this, when we're just facing that challenge. Now here I know I'm even more guilty of putting my thoughts into Joshua's mind. But here, I have to say, I would love to think that as this incredible challenge was brought to him by God via Moses, I would love to think that one incident, one lesson learned, instantly came into Joshua's mind. And it relates to the incident in Exodus 17, where Joshua, fighting under Moses' instruction as, as the general of the Lord's army, led God's people to victory over the mighty Amalekite forces. Exodus 17.13 says that Joshua overcame the Amalekite army by the sword. But you know, in an earlier verse, we uncover the key that led to this triumph. As there, we find that, that Moses said, as he was surveying the, the battlefield and where the battle was to be fought, Moses said, tomorrow... I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now, you see, this, this staff had great significance in Moses' ministry. Above all, perhaps, in that it was this same staff that Moses had stretched out over the Red Sea until it parted. So really, what, what this staff represented was the power of God. But then we move on and we read a little further on in Exodus 17, verse 11 and 12, that as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Har held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady 
until sunset. Now, raised hands here represent prayer. And this represents Moses' prayers, united and strengthened by the prayers of the people of God that then move God. Prayers that touch God's heart and lead Him to act in power on behalf of His people. So what do we need to do then? What do we need to focus on as God's people if by His power and enabling we are going to be victorious in the face of the challenges that lie before us in 2020? I believe we need to make sure first that we continue to walk close to Him in faith and obedience. And we need then to lay hold of His power through committed, united prayer. As the leadership and the people of God come together and unite in prayer, then we will know the leading and the blessing of God. May this be the road down which we travel to overcome challenges and to know God's continuing victory in 2020 and in all the years that lie beyond that. Let's come and let's pray together. Father, it is in you that we trust. It is in you that we place our hope for today and our hope for tomorrow and all the days that lie ahead. And we know that as our trust is placed in you, that you will never let us down, that you will never let us go. Father, as your people, again we say, our trust is in the Lord. Amen.